I'm preaching today a message entitled, The Curse of Lotion Horror. It's a curse of evil speaking, is actually what it's entitled. This is the title of the sermon, The Curse of Lotion Horror, and it's The Curse of Evil Speaking. So we're looking first in Galatians chapter number 6 and verse 7. It says these words, it says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, it says that, whatever he sows, that that he sows shall he also reap. That's my anchor text today that I'm using. It's one of the most familiar passages in dealing with something like this, but it's going to get a lot deeper. But um, it says, be not deceived. In other words, don't, don't fool yourself. It says, God is not mocked. In other words, his word is sure. Whatever a man sows or a woman sows, that shall he also reap. And you may be seated. Now, you've heard it said, and I don't have to go through this and and walk you through a litany of things to make my point, but you've heard it said many times that if you plant pomegranates, you get pomegranates. If you plant peaches, you get peaches. If you plant cotton, you get cotton. If you plant tobacco, you get tobacco. Whatever you plant, that is what you reap. It's impossible to plant um, collard greens and get asparagus. It's impossible to plant a pear tree in your backyard and get plums off of it. So whatever you sow You reap. And and I want to tell you something else. If I go out in the backyard and and, and, um, somewhere down here, my backyard is somewhere along the Gulf Coast, and I plant plant cotton, I plant that intentionally, and I get cotton. But if unintentionally there's some marijuana seeds in there, and marijuana comes up, among that cotton, how many of you knows I'm going to be in a heap of trouble? You understand? And so, a lot of times, there's times that you intentionally sow seed. You intentionally sow seed. And you expect to get a harvest back. But I want you to also know there's, there's other times that you unintentionally sow things. You didn't really mean to, but you just sort of lured into it. But that will come to pass also. Now, in in regard to sowing and reaping, and I want to make this clear, and I'll probably touch on it again before I quit this morning. In regard to sowing and reaping, you know, one thing I love about God is He gives us a chance to sow, and then we have to wait until the harvest comes in. You know? When we sow, we've got to wait until the harvest comes in. It can either be picked by hand or it can be implemented by farm implements. But every fall, you notice that the corn is in, the cotton's in, the wheat's in, everything's in, and the land rests and it's waiting for the spring to come so you can plant another harvest. Whenever you have seed in the ground, I want you to understand that today, whenever you leave out of here, whenever you have seed in the ground, that seed that's in the ground, whether it's good or bad, has got to come in. It's going to come in. And that's why a lot of people, whenever they turn over a new leaf, like they hear a sermon and they leave out and they say, well, boy, I've asked God to forgive me and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that and I'm going to, I'm going to really make a turn over a new leaf and I'm going to really start new. That's true, and you do, but you also need a preacher to tell you that you've got to get, give that harvest that you planted time to come in. The good and the bad. You've got to give it time to come in. I remember a young girl came to me one time, and she was pregnant. She was 16 years old, and her parents brought her to me. She's 16 years old, and they said, Brother Kilpatrick, she, she slipped up, and she's pregnant. And um, she, just, she really feels horrible about it. She's been crying, asking us to forgive her. And she's been asking God to forgive her. And I prayed with her, knelt with her in the office floor, and I prayed with her with her parents. And then after we got up, I set her down, 
on the sofa in my office, and I said, now, the Lord has forgiven you. Do you believe that? She said, yes. I said, but you're going to reap that child. You're pregnant. And we're not talking abortion here. I said, you're going to reap that child. Because that seed has impregnated you, and you're going to reap it. But the Lord has forgiven you. So you need to understand, you just really need to understand this, that be careful, be very careful, and be very deliberate what you put in the ground or what you put in the spiritual ground. Because what you sow, that will you reap. So we're going to get started. And I'm speaking this morning on the curse of evil speaking, and it's called the curse by the Hebrews, the Jews. It's called the curse of Lashon Hora. I'm convinced that there is a connection between the spirit world and your mouth. How many of you believe that? Well, I had seven or eight hands lifted up on that, but let me answer the question again. I'm convinced that there's a connection between the spirit world and your mouth. You believe that? Well, there really is. I believe that with our mouths, the Bible says in the tongue, there's the power of life and death, and we all know that too. That's no new news. Within the tongue, there's the power of life and there's the power of death. In your tongue, it either activates the Spirit of the Lord and angels on your behalf. It activates the Holy Spirit or it activates um, demonic things on your behalf that you don't want to come to pass. It activates the spirit world. It either activates the spirit world on your good or it activates the spirit world in a bad way on your behalf. Your mouth does. And one of the reasons why the devil gets you so sad and depressed is because he knows when you get sad and depressed is when your mouth gets out of joint. <laughs> Y'all want me to move on, don't you? I can tell. I mean, I can tell. Y'all done got quiet on me. See? But I'm going to finish anyway, hallelujah. The seed's in the ground right now. We're going to reap it here this morning. Amen? But... um. But you just have to understand, though, that uh, the spirit, the tongue activates the spirit world. And one of the reasons why the devil makes people sad and depressed and pity, pity, really, pity is one of the major areas in a person's life where their tongue gets out of joint. And they start, oh, poor me. And nobody, you know, it's not a few people, it's nobody loves me. Amen. How many of you knows when you start going to those extremes that nobody loves me? Somebody does love you, amen? And uh, like one lady I called one time at the hospital, and, and uh, she was raising cane about the church, and I said, well, honey, what's going on? She said, nobody's visited me. I said, really? I said, the associate pastor didn't come? Well, yeah. The youth pastor didn't come? Well, yeah. But what she was saying is, I didn't come. Nobody came to see me. In other words, Brother Kilpatrick's body didn't come to see me. (laughs) Amen? When people get into pity, they start using that across-the-board language. Nobody loves me. Nobody cares about me. And the first news you know, I mean, you're just sinking. You're going down in quicksand. You have to really watch your tongue. But in regard to speaking about ourselves, that's one thing. But in regard to speaking about other people, now, boy, that's a completely different Ball game, completely different horse of another color, whenever we start talking about people. In the book of Jewish wisdom, and you'll see it on the screen back here behind me, the name of the book is Guard Your Tongue. It says this, backbiting, if you maliciously speak lash and horror against someone behind their back, and do not want them to find out that you malign them, in addition to violating the prohibition against speaking lash and horror, you also incur upon yourself a curse. Cursed be the one who attacks his neighbor secretly. That's, that's Deuteronomy 27:24. Look at that. Cursed be he that smiteth his neighbor secretly. Now, that's not talking about smiting somebody with your fist or hitting them with a two-by-four because they would know that. Understand that? Boy, I hit him in the back of the head. He never knew it. But the Bible says this in Deuteronomy, very important passage of Scripture. Look at the first word there, cursed or cursed. Cursed. See that? 
Cursed be he that smiteth his neighbor secretly. In preaching this series about opening and closing doors, I have dealt, ever since I've been over here now over two years, I've dealt a lot with this kind of messages. And the reason why I'm dealing with them is because one of my desires as a pastor is I really want to see people free. I want to see people happy. And I want to see people really enjoy life and and really live a Christian life and really be happy, have the fruits of Christianity in their life. But there's so many hidden things like this that you don't ordinarily think about that a preacher needs to bring to your attention. And this is one of those places, this is an Old Testament scripture, of course it is. It says, Cursed be he or she that smiteth his neighbor secretly, in other words, behind their back. And it said, All the people shall say amen. And then in that passage in the book of Deuteronomy, it goes through uh, seven or eight of those. And it says, And all the people said amen, and all the people said amen. But this is one I picked out because it says, Cursed be the one that attacks his neighbor secretly. The Jewish people had 31 commandments regarding Lash and Hora, and I won't deal with all those this morning, but it was, uh, it, was the, um, it was the curse of evil speech, and there was 31 things that they had in their little book that they talked about concerning evil speaking. And I'm just going to choose two or three this morning, and I'm going to move on. So I'm not going to list them all. But in Leviticus 19 and 16, it's interesting. It says, Thou shalt not go up and down as a talebearer among your people. Neither shall you stand against the blood of thy neighbor. I am the Lord. And this is the Levitical law that God was giving to Moses in the Pentateuch. And you know what the Pentateuch is? It's the first five books of the Bible which Moses wrote. And so in the Levitical law, God says, Thou shalt not go up and down as a talebearer among thy people, and you will not stand against the blood of thy neighbor. I am the Lord. Now, this is a person who goes about as a peddler, a peddler of evil information. They go as a peddler up and down among the people from house to house, or in modern-day language, from telephone call to telephone call, and they're trying to peddle their wares. And... So it's known today in our modern vernacular as a gossiper. And a gossiper is a person that they don't realize it, but they're, they're opening themselves up to a curse. And the Hebrews, the Jews, now we Gentiles are not really privy to this, but the Jews believed it was called the curse of Lash and Hora, the curse of evil speaking. And a talebearer and a gossiper goes up and down from house to house, phone call to phone call, and they get a tidbit of something salacious. And they begin to share that with people against somebody. Look what it says. It says, Cursed be he that smites his neighbor secretly. You can take that off the screen. When you, when you go to your neighbor and you secretly tell something, and they don't know about it, and they can't defend themselves, and they can't tell you their side of the story. They can't tell you their side of the issue. You, my friend, are opening yourself up for a curse. And it's a serious curse. And it will manifest itself in a lot of different ways, and I'll talk about that more as we go along. And um, so we call it today a, a gossiper. And they go from person to person picking up and leaving behind unfounded tales. Now today, because of modern technology, I want you to listen to what I'm going to say. I may sound old fogey and I may sound old-fashioned, but just really hear me, friend. This is on my heart. I see America sinking. And I see America getting in real deep weeds with God for several reasons. But number one, I've never seen a nation so divided as we are today. And the Bible said any house divided against itself cannot stand. 
But the thing that really worries me and troubles me so much today that I see is I see people's mouths just completely out of control. And it's not only their mouths, but it's the blogging on the Internet. See, the blogging on the Internet, the fingers is the same as the mouth. It's still a tail-bearer. And it's still opening yourself up to a curse, whether it comes out the tongue or whether it comes out the fingers. It's, I, I've just never seen such nasty politics as there is today. We cut on the TV today, and it's almost constant. Barack Obama said this, and Barack Obama's pastor, and Hillary Clinton said this, and Bill said this, and Chelsea said this. And it's just, it's like the news now has ceased from being journalism. It's like the news has ceased from being journalism. And it's like this nation is caught up into a big gossip, a continuing gossip telephone call every day where the nation tunes in to hear the latest gossip. And it's a curse. It really is a curse. Y'all in agreement with that? And you know what? It's not funny. It's, it's really not funny. As a matter of fact, it's a serious symptom that we're in trouble with the Lord. And, and I want to tell you something else, friend. It's not just America. It's the church. It's the church. Matter of fact, the church taught America, I think, how to do it. I think the church taught the world how to do it because the church is the most notorious gossipers in the whole land. And um, you want to tear a church up, just let Sister Longtongue get a hold of it. <laughs> you know? One lady came to the preacher and she said, Brother, Brother Wetzel said, I'm going to lay my tongue on the altar. He said, Honey, that altar ain't long enough, your tongue. <laughs> We're going to have to order another one. But look at this. Today, because of cell phones and people's mouths continually moving, just moving, moving, moving all the time, and computers and internets and blogs, this curse is now at epidemic proportions. And... Um, Gossip and slander can travel at very vast speeds over unlimited distances now, unlike any other time in American history and world history. Exodus 23 and verse 1, it says this, Thou shalt not raise a false report. Put not thy hand with the wicked to be an unrighteous witness. It says, Thou shalt not raise a false report. I have, through the years, and I'll give you the scripture in just a moment, one of the things that the Holy Spirit's dealt with me about through the years as a pastor and teaching my congregations is the Holy Spirit gave me the scripture a long time ago, and he said, Son, drill this into your people. He said, Tell them and teach them to hear a matter out. Get the facts before they make a decision. You see, you can't make a decision on gossip. If you do, that curse will come on you too. You understand? Not just the one that brought it, but the curse will come on you too because now you've made a decision about it and you brought a verdict against somebody where there's no, there's no evidence to, to convict them. And so you became the judge and the jury and you convicted them. And so that curse will come on you too. And I'll show you in just a minute what I'm talking about in the Scriptures. But look at it together. It says, he that answers the matter before he hears it, it's folly and a shame to him. Here's what you do as a parent. One of your kids comes to you and they say, Daddy so-and-so, brother hit me. Instead of grabbing the kid up and spanking him, you get both the kids together, and a lot of times you'll hear a completely different story. Amen? So you learn as a parent to hear the matter out because he almost got his britches blistered, his, his rear end blistered, because of what one child said about the other child, and it wasn't true. And it says it's folly, and it's a shame to answer a matter before you hear it out. In other words, when you get gossip, when somebody brings gossip to you, and you don't hear that matter out, and you make a decision on it, It'll bring a curse on you too. Now, you say, how? Do you have scripture for that? Yes, I do. And I'm going to give it to you. Look at Romans. This is a New Testament scripture. The Bible says, Being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, 
backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents. Look what he says. Without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. In other words, those that have pleasure in those that bring the tales. If you receive it and believe it, that judgment is on you just as much as it is on them. You see that? Look at that one more time. Not only do the same, but they have pleasure in them that do them. It says, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but those that have pleasure. In other words, if a peddler of gossip comes to you, it does them no good if you don't receive it. And they'll know to bypass you. How many of you know when you was a drug addict and you first got saved, your drug addicts used to come back, your drug buddies used to come back for a while and try to get you to go back on drugs. But when you said no, they quit knocking on the door and they quit calling on the telephone. How many of you know it's the same way whenever you start getting rid of habits in your life just as bad as drugs, like gossip, when you start telling them, I don't want to hear it. I'm not that way anymore. I've asked God to forgive me, and I don't want the curse of lash and horror to come upon me. Don't call me anymore. You know what happens? After a while, they won't call you anymore, and they'll take their wares elsewhere. And you'll be better off, and your house will be much more peaceful, trust me. And another thing about gossip and about backbiting and malicious, salacious things is, not only do you receive them and enjoy them yourself, but it's not nearly as enjoyable unless you can share it with somebody else. Like, you want to be the first to tell somebody, have you heard? And it opens you up for a curse, friend. I can't stress this enough. Now, I'm going to pause here just for a minute. I'm letting this sink in. I believe that there's a lot of people in the body of Christ that has slept before their time and has died before their time because of a curse that has come upon them because they couldn't keep their mouth shut. I really believe that. And I've pastored for 42 years. I've been preaching for 42 years, and I've been pastoring since 1971. And I happen to have pastored some large churches with large congregations and then their family and friends. So, I mean, I've had contact with thousands and thousands and thousands of people. But I want to tell you something. I have seen people that's gossipers and backbiters live a hellish life. They usually have weight problems. They usually have a lot of sicknesses and a lot of doctor bills and a lot of prescription bills. And they usually have a lot of hell in their homes and families and children. That's four things I've noticed about backbiters and tailbearers. I've noticed those four things. Out of control. Just out of control. I think I remember I told the congregation one time this, and I don't say it braggadociously because I'm really ashamed that it happened. Ashamed I had to do it. But um, I had a lady in my church at Brownsville when I first got there in 82. She was a nice-looking lady. She, she looked like a typical Pentecostal, fine, upstanding lady. She probably was in her 30s or 40s. And her husband was just a quiet man. Uh, minded his own business, worked hard at his job. But um, I told Brownsville whenever I took the church, uh, I sat down on Wednesday night, pulled a chair up, sat down on Wednesday night after I got voted in, and I said, now this is how I run a church. I was 31 years old. And I said, now this is how I run a church. I said, um, so-and-so, 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 and I went about ten things. But I said, I want you to know that I run a tight ship, and I'll be your best friend. I'll visit you in the hospitals. I'll be there for you. But I said, I will not put up with any garbage out of you. And I said, if you don't believe me, try me. I said, we're going to have peace in this house. And I said, um, I don't put up with talebearers and I don't put up with gossipers. And I said, if you start it, I'll be at your door. So sure enough, you know, there was a woman that tried me. So I called her. On the telephone, and I said, I, I, I hear a rumor that you're saying so-and-so, so-and-so. And I said, I want you to know I'm calling you first. 
And she said, well, it's not exactly like that. I said, well, I think it is. I said, because I have two witnesses. And I said, I'll be glad to get together with the three of you. But I said, if this continues, we will be getting together for sure. But I'm calling you now and telling you to kill it. Stop it right now. Don't let it go any further. It wasn't against me. It was just against people in the church. So I called her first. It wasn't a month later. I heard it again. I heard more again. So I called her husband first on the telephone. And I said, now, I've already called your wife once and I've warned her. And I said, now, this time I'm asking you to bring your wife into the office. And I said, I want you both to know I'm not going to put up with it. I told you I wasn't going to and I'm not going to. So they came in. And he sat there like a whip puppy. Never, I don't think, hardly opened his mouth. Real shy, just didn't hardly open his mouth. And she just... And so I told him, I said, now, this is the second time I'm warning you. And I said, listen, I'm doing it the scriptural way. I said, oh, two weeks to get over me. Amen? <laughs> and then by the time the next week comes, you say, well, I guess I'll give old Kilpatrick another try. <laughs> the, Jew, the Jews taught that leprosy and sickness and disease could come on someone because they slandered someone or hurt someone's reputation and their good name. That's why it says, put that scripture back up one more time in Deuteronomy chapter 24 and verse 8. It says, and do according to all that the priest the Levite shall teach you. Now, it's also interesting that rabbis believe gossip and slander opened the door for a curse, the, the actual curse of Lashon Hora, for disease and affliction to come upon a person and even sometimes make them seven times worse. Now that makes a little bit more sense when we read this scripture in John about Jesus. Look what he said. As Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Cut me down, please. This man or his parents that he was born blind? He said, who did sin? Now, the reason why they asked that question is because the Jews were taught by Levitical, by Levitical priests that the cause of leprosy and other sins and other sicknesses and other diseases can come upon a person because of lash and horror, because of gossip. And so when Jesus came, that was really in their minds. And so when they saw this blind guy, they immediately deducted in their mind, well, somebody sinned. That's why they brought that up. Somebody sinned here. And so Jesus said, they said, who did sin his parents? He's born blind. And so the scripture says that Jesus said, neither one of them. As a matter of fact, he didn't rebuke them for asking the question. He just answered the question and said, no, in this case, nobody has sinned, but that the glory of God might be revealed, you see. But he didn't rebuke them for asking that question. They asked that question because that's the way they were raised and trained. They believed that sins can come upon people and sickness and disease can come upon people, especially tailbearers. It's the curse of Lashon Hora. Now, watch what you speak against someone's marriage if you don't want it to happen to your marriage. Watch what you speak against someone's son that you make sure that it doesn't come upon your son. Watch what you speak about somebody's daughter to make sure that it doesn't come upon your daughter. Make sure that you don't say things about someone's ministry or their church to make sure it doesn't come upon your ministry or your church. You know how I'd really be embarrassed about this church? Is if I found out I had a bunch of Scallywags in this church with long tongues, and they was out here talking about other preachers and other churches. I'd be so ashamed of you. I probably wouldn't even pastor you. If I if I pastored a church that was scallywags and had long tongues, and I hear blasting other churches and tearing other preachers down in other churches, I'd be so ashamed of you. I wouldn't have the guts and the gumption to get up here every week and preach to you. Matter of fact, I'd probably. Let my tongue get out of control, too, and, and whack you around a little bit. Amen. Amen. But that's an embarrassment to a pastor. 
And if you want, whatever you, whatever you cause to happen to some other man's ministry, God will cause to happen to your ministry, whether it's good or bad. And if you cause something to happen to another man's ministry that's bad, you better watch out because somewhere down the line, you better watch your backside. It's going to come on your ministry too. Because the Bible said, whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. So if you're tired of bad things happening, and if you're tired of reaping troublesome things all the time, make a vow today before God to put a guard at your mouth and to stop speaking that kind of stuff. And give time for the harvest you've already got in the ground to come to pass and to come in. Give it time to come in. And then start today sowing good things. And I promise you, your, your atmosphere in your house, your car, your workplace, everything. You sleep better on your bed, everything. Your, your children will even start doing better. I promise you. Amen. Now let me go on because I'm really about to get something good here. I've heard people make snide remarks about other people's house. I've heard people make snide remarks about other people's finances, about his ability to earn money or her ability to earn money. They make snide remarks about it. And um, you better be careful because the very thing that you smite at, the very thing that you're swinging at, it'll come back and it'll affect your finances too. It'll affect your children. It'll affect your ministry. Here's a very powerful scripture. This is one of my favorites in Proverbs 6, verse 16 through 19. Man, look at this. I'm going to read all of these together, but man, when it ends up, I want you to see something. These six things does the Lord hate. Yea, seven are an abomination to Him. The first one is a proud look. God hates that. It says a lying tongue. He hates that. Hands that shed innocent blood. He hates that. A heart that devises wicked imaginations, he can't stand that. Feet that be swift in running to mischief, he hates that. But boy, it says a false witness that speaketh lies. And then it says, and he, that's the first time it uses a preposition. And he, that's a person. Y'all look this way at me, please. Listen, God actually says he hates the person. It, didn't just, it doesn't just say that he hates that when somebody sows discord. It said he hates he or she that sows discord among the brethren. He hates the person. Friend, let me tell you something. I've got to walk around in shoe leather in my life until my time is up. I don't want to be one of those people walking around in shoe leather that God hates. I want to be one that God loves. Don't you? I want to be the one that God looks down there and says, that's my boy. I'm proud of him. He'll keep his mouth. He'll keep his tongue. He'll tithe. He'll do what's right by his family. He's a man of integrity. He's a man of principle. That's, that's the kind of man I want God to look at me and say. But it says, I hate him or her. God said, I actually hate him that sows discord among the brethren. Now, that's pretty serious, isn't it? See, a lot of times we read that scripture, and we put it in there with all the rest of it. Just go back a little bit. Go back to verse 17 and 18. Look at that. Or six, yeah, it says, a proud look, that's one thing. A lying tongue, that's one thing. Hands and all that. See, go to verse 18. A heart, feet. Now 19, a false witness. But then it says a preposition, he or she. God said, I hate them because they're sowing discord among the brethren. We had a uh, a pastor friend of mine, he took a church in Mississippi. And um, when he got there, the church was very troubled, very troubled. And so one of the board members in the church was just a man that uh, he was out of control. He and his wife both were just tremendous gossipers and talebearers, and, and they were just divisive people. They caused a lot of trouble. So they had a an Easter cantata coming up, and part of the Easter cantata was the Last Supper. And so when the pastor took the church, they already had the Christmas play in the works. And um, so Chris, Easter came along. I'm sorry, Easter came along. 
And they already had the, the Easter play in the works, the pageant. And so the pastor was having a lot of problems with this board member. And the board member just told him, basically, he said, you know, you're just going to have to put up with it because we were here before you got here, and that's just the way it is. And that night at the Easter cantata, they had a silent scene of the Lord at the Last Supper. And when the Lord stood up like that and picked up the cup, the chalice with the wine in it, the, the, his blood in it, that board member fell over on the platform dead as a doornail. And I know that to be a true story. He fell over dead as a doornail. It was a curse that came upon him. And he opened up himself for that curse to come upon him. You said, Brother Kilpatrick, you're trying to put fear in us? No, not at all. That's not my motive whatsoever. I'm just trying to teach you as your pastor that some of the things you've been doing may have a lot to do with the kind and quality of life you're living that you resent. You're having a lot of hell in your life. And you say, well, I pay my tithes. Yeah, you do. But you gossip. Oh, but I go to church, Brother Kilpatrick, and I love my pastor. Yeah, you do. That's good. But you gossip. More scripture to come. The seventh one here in this scripture in Proverbs is a person. It says, whoever sows discord among the brethren, God said, I hate that person. Now, in, in these scriptures, I'm going to give you right quick. This is just a couple that I want you to see. It says in the book of Titus in the New Testament, it says, speak evil of no man. See that? Speak evil of no man or woman. To be no brawlers. Don't be a brawler. Be gentle. Showing all meekness unto all men. You say, Brother Kilpatrick, can somebody really change? I had a man in my church one time. He had white hair, snow white hair. Man, I relied on a lot in my, li in my life, in my, in my ministry. And, and I came to him one time, and, and he just bared his heart to me one night. And he said, Brother Kilpatrick, I used to be a talebearer, and I used to be a gossiper until God showed me how serious it was. And he said, I truly repent and ask God to forgive me. And he said, from that time, he said, I never remember ever carrying any gossip or sharing any gossip or anything negative about anybody. And he said, ask God to forgive me. And that was the meekest man and the most gentle man, easily to be entreated, that you've ever met in your life. People can change. And I want to tell you something else. You can change too, but not by yourself. The Holy Spirit can change you. You cannot change yourself. A leopard can't change his spots. You can't change yourself. I can't change myself. But when you open yourself up to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit can make a different man out of you altogether and a different woman out of you. Not only save you from your sins, but can change your nature. He can change your personality. He can change you from somebody like that that's aggressive and divisive and an adjutant. He can change you and make you a gentle, meek person. And you know, after a while, when you stop gossiping about people and you, and you don't do that anymore for a while, then when you hear gossip come your way, it grieves your spirit that you even heard it. Well, I hope some of you can say amen to that. <laughs> well, let's go on. In James chapter 4, verse 11, it says, Speak not evil one of another, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother and judges his brother speaketh evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. Here again, two New Testament passages of scriptures. James wrote this one. Titus wrote the other one. Apostle Paul. And he said, Speak evil of no one. Now, that word evil there is katola. And it means speak against no one. When it says speak evil against no one, it means don't speak against anybody. Don't speak, even if it's not gossip, don't speak against them. You know, one of the reasons why the churches in America are in the shape they're in is because pastors are trying to do the work of God but their congregations are speaking evil against them, and they're working against the pastor. And there's some cases I know where pastors are wrong. Don't get me wrong. I understand that. I know that there's cases where pastors are wrong. And there's cases where board members are wrong. But when, when you find a staff and a pastor against one another and speaking against one another, you can't have unity in that church. And you can't have revival in that church. You can forget it. Are you listening to me? 
And when you have a, a husband and wife, or you have um, a pastor and associate pastor, whatever it may be, and you're speaking against one another, even in private, I've heard women speak against their husbands in private to another family member and undercut them. And they don't really realize the man they're married to and the man they have relations with and the man that they love, they're speaking evil against him. And the same true with a man with his wife speaking evil to her mother or her father. In all the times that I've been alive and been married, my children have never heard me say a negative thing about their mother to them. And my mother-in-law never heard me say a negative thing about her daughter to her, neither did my father-in-law. Neither has a board member or a church member. I've never said a negative thing about my wife to anybody. This is good. <laughs> now watch this. You say, well, Brother Kilpatrick, if something's going on, how do I deal with it? I've got a scripture for you. You knew I'd have a scripture for you. Here it is. But when Peter was come to Antioch, Paul said, I was stood him to his face because he was to be blamed. That's found in the book of Galatians, chapter 2, verse 11. Paul didn't go to Timothy and talk against Peter to Timothy. Understand that? Paul didn't go to Silas, or he didn't go to others and talk against Peter. But the Bible says, when Peter was come to Antioch, Paul said, I was stood him to his face. And when you confront somebody to their face, you can still do it in a Christian way. And not be mean and full of anger and your nostrils flaring and antagonistic and provoking a fight. Paul said, I withstood him to his face. You, do you know the best way to get to the bottom of an issue is to go to the person's face and hear it out. That's the way to do it. Go to their face and say, Peter, you're wrong. Not go to somebody and say he's wrong. Go to Peter and say he's wrong. And after Paul and Peter got this worked out, it was worked out. Well, i got about five more minutes to pull this thing out of the, out of the rough here, and so uh, I'm in a sand trap right now, bad. Let me close with this. Deal with a person to their face, never behind their back, because they don't have a chance to explain themselves. I've been in situations before where my heart is broken, where I've heard things said that I had said that I knew I didn't say. And I didn't have a chance to explain myself. Never had a chance to go and say, here's the way it was. Couldn't do it. Never afforded the opportunity. And it's painful. And um, I still have to run down the rumors on the road that me and Brenda's divorced. Because they got rumors out years ago that me and Brenda's been divorced. And somebody just called the office recently and said, Is Pastor and Brenda ever get back together? <laughs> yeah, we're back together. Amen. <laughs> but, uh, you know, never have a chance. See, those things fly like that. I heard a pastor say once, I heard a friend of mine say one time that I pastored. He said, Rumors are like a feather, uh, a feather pillow. He said, it's like being outside and ripping a feather pillow, and the feathers get away. And when the wind hits them, you never get them all back. You get some of them back, but you don't ever get them all back. You never, it's impossible to get them all back when the wind hits them. And that's the way rumors are, that whenever they get out like that and the wind hits them, it goes. But in many cases, a person that had the tail spread on them doesn't have the ability to defend themselves and say, that wasn't the way it was, or that's not what I said, or that's not the way I meant it, you see. And that's why God is so careful about things like that, that He doesn't want people sharing that against you. That's how much He loves you. There's another scripture in Proverbs that I want you to look at. Proverbs 17 and verse 9. He that coveth a transgression seeketh love, but he that repeateth the matter separates friends. One of the hellish things about church trouble is things get blown way out of proportion. Way out of proportion. And if somebody had the ability during that period of time to say, whoa, 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 let's have a summit. Let's everybody get together and let's talk this thing out. Let's hear this matter out. And deal with it. 
It could be resolved. But because nobody does that, it gets way out of control. And here's the thing about church trouble. Here's the curse of church trouble. It separates friends that went to church for years and loved one another, and now they're not friends anymore and don't go to church with one another anymore. But it also separates friends and family members. It tears sons away from mothers and fathers. It tears son-in-laws and daughter-in-laws away from mothers and fathers. It tears family members away. A tailbearer divides friends. And God loves friendship. He made us for friendship. I love friends. Matter of fact, the older I get, the more we love friends. But a tailbearer can tell something, and if, if you don't hear the matter out, it can separate friends for life, and you're separated over a lie and don't even know it. Y'all with me? Okay. I got two or three more, and here we go. Proverbs 11 and verse 13. A talebearer revealeth secrets, but he that is of a faithful spirit conceals the matter. A talebearer reveals secrets. Look at Proverbs 18 and verse 8. The words of a talebearer are as wounds, and they go down into the innermost parts of the belly. That's why when somebody hurts you, you feel sick at your stomach. Because it went down like a dart in the innermost part of your belly and made you sick at your stomach. I've heard, I've heard things before that made me literally sick and I almost passed out. I've literally heard things that, hurt, that affected me that deeply. And it says it goes down in the, heart, the parts of the belly and it's, inner, it's the innermost wound in the deepest part of your soul. But here's my last scripture. It's found in the book of Psalms. And I love this one. Psalms chapter 15, verses 1 through 3. Lord, who shall abide in your presence or your tabernacle? And who shall dwell in your holy hill? Look what it says. He that walketh uprightly, he that works righteousness, and speaks the truth in his heart. He that backbiteth not with his tongue, nor does evil to his neighbor, nor taketh up a reproach against his neighbor. Those are the three things that the Lord says, those that can dwell in his presence. Now, I want to look at those one more time because I want to dwell in his presence. How many of you wants to go dwell with him one day? Look what it says. It says, walks uprightly with integrity. Works righteousness, speaks the truth in his heart, doesn't backbite with his tongue or do evil to his neighbor or take up a reproach against his neighbor. See how God keeps mentioning your neighbor? Why does God keep mentioning your neighbor? Because he loves your neighbor. God loves you and God loves me. And he's watching our backside. He's trying to protect us. I'll just tell you this story real quickly. In closing, it doesn't have a lot to do with my sermon, but I just happened to think about it. You remember here a while back I told you I called my CPA? And I told her I saw a snake in her neck. I had a dream about our CPA. And uh, I woke up on a Saturday morning, and I saw a snake in her, inside her neck like an x-ray. It wasn't outside. I saw it in her neck just like an x-ray, and it was coming up toward her head. So I know her, and I dealt with her down through the years. I've been knowing her for years, and so I've called her up, and I never called her like this. And I just said, so-and-so, I said, this morning I had a waking dream, and I said, it really upset me, and I don't want to upset you, but I said, I'm concerned enough about it to call you. And I said, I saw a snake in your neck this morning. She said, oh, that's unusual. She was calm. She said, that's unusual. She said, because this morning, she said, I found a suspicious spot on my neck. And she said, I'm going to the doctor, and I've called the doctor and made an appointment to go see the doctor Monday. So she called me back the other day because it's tax time, you know. She called me back the other day, and she said, Brother Kilpatrick, I never told you the story. Let me finish telling you the story. She said, when you called me up, it scared the life out of me. <laughs> and she said, I had an appointment made with my doctor to go to the doctor on Monday, but she said, I went, and I told Frank, take me to the emergency room. And so we went to the emergency room in Dallas, and she said, um, when I got to the emergency room, the doctor looked at that, took a sample of it, and said, 
oh, my God, he said, that's a fast-growing fast staff. And so he said, they put me on an intravenous IV, a real strong IV, and they put me on two powerful uh, antibiotics a day for a month. And then I came back, and they put me on it again, the IV all over again and the antibiotics all over again for a month. And she said, now today, she said, I have a tiny little spot as a scar where that, where that once was. But she said, here's what they told me. They said, if you'd have waited till Monday to go to the doctor, it would gotten your brain. They said it would have spread that quick and would have went to your brain. And so she was thanking me and all that for calling her and being used by God. But I said, no, 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 that's not even the issue. I said, the issue is the Lord loved you enough to have me call you and tell you that. I said, now, don't you know that there's just a little spot left there? Because I said, the Lord loved you enough to let you get that information and you wouldn't got it dealt with. But I said, don't be worried about it coming back because if the Lord showed me to call you, the Lord's going to take care of it. So don't worry about it coming back on you. And I blessed her on the telephone and I spoke over her and sealed her with the blood that that thing not come back on her life. But see, what I'm trying to tell you is not only does Jesus love you, but Jesus loves your neighbor. Even your unsaved neighbor. Jesus loves us all. And the last thing he wants is us running somebody down and trying to spoil and massacre somebody's good name. So here's what I'm going to do this morning. In just a minute, I'm going to ask you to stand. And I'm going to lead us in a prayer of repentance. This has not been one of those kind of sermons where you raise your voice and you speak. You spit and kick and all that kind of stuff, you know. This has just not been one of those kind of sermons. And I, I intentionally meant for it not to be because I don't have an axe to grind. But my purpose in coming in here this morning was to share just the information with you to see whether or not there might be a curse maybe in your life that's been opened up where your life is just miserable and you've thought and thought and thought and you can't think, well, I'm a tither and I go to church, I love God and so and so, so and so. But when I mentioned this this morning about Gossip and backbiting, you've really realized, man, my mouth is loose. It could be that it has something to do with the quality of life that you're living. And remember, a curse cannot come without a cause. And one of the causes a curse can come on you, the Bible says, is when you slander your neighbor and when you peddle your tails against your neighbor.